Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our sustainability podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Ashari Ramat, an experienced permacultural designer and farmer. Ashari currently manages his own farm, Kebun Ramat, uh, where he designs, plans and develops uh, the farm's ecosystem infrastructure to achieve targeted yields using sustainability practices. So let me quickly introduce his background. Uh, Ashari received his permaculture design certificate from the Permaculture Research Institute in Turkey, holds a bachelor's degree in city, urban, community and regional planning from the International Islamic University of Malaysia. Uh, with his extensive background in permaculture, agriculture, sustainable development and com community engagement, Ashari is well equipped to share his insights on how permaculture can be integrated to businesses and our daily lives. Uh, welcome Ashari. Thank you, Ben. Hi, glad to be on your show. Uh, thanks for having me on board and uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about permaculture today with um, our guests and our audiences. Thank you, thank you. So, so I, I think we'll we'll start with um, uh, an introductory question. So how did you first become interested in permaculture and uh, what led you to pursue this career, especially since you did urban planning? Uh, how did you move into like more farming and, and you, know, you know, specifically uh, uh, permaculture? Right. Thanks, Ben. Uh, so I was uh, with a, a humanitarian aid organization um, doing disaster risk management for a number of years. And one of the things uh, that the communities on the ground used to talk about is like, okay, great, we have all this preparedness in place, evacuation plans, early warning systems, but what about our day-to-day -day livelihoods? Uh, and that's where some colleagues of mine and I started looking into sustainable livelihoods and uh, one of my colleagues came across this concept of permaculture. And when I looked into it a little bit more, it kind of started to make a lot, a lot of sense. Um, so I was in the development field, uh, humanitarian aid, looking at people who are at risk um, of not just natural disasters, but also due to their socioeconomic conditions, uh, they are more at risk of um, uh, adverse conditions, let's just say, right? Um, so what permaculture promotes is resilience. And, and that struck me. Um, resilience uh, and permanence, not in the sense of uh, things that are structures that are built, but in following the natural patterns of um, our world um, and rearranging our lives uh, to fit better with our ecology. So that got me interested. Um, uh, several friends and I started reading up about permaculture. We had like book session, book book uh, book clubs with one another, or shared um, insights, and and uh, we started really on our own, hands on, on the ground, whatever where, wherever small sites we can find, we would experiment with, but mostly just uh, learning from one another. Until to a point we we go we went uh we I think we it's time we need to look for a, a teacher or a, a, somebody who can guide us better in this. So, uh, one of my friends he he was writing this blog back then. This was this was all way back in two thousand ten, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, but circa two thousand eleven or end of that year, um, my friend who's been writing this blog for several years is uh, it's, you might still find it online. It's called murujan.com. He was one of the earliest people I knew of who was writing about permaculture in Malaysia. 
uh, or based in Malaysia at least, or, and, and talking about permaculture, uh, reached out to Jeff Lawton um, from Zaituna Farms in, in Australia. And Jeff said, hey, okay, if you need a, if you need a teacher, one of my students is traveling to Malaysia or, or will be in the, around the region. And he just started the Permaculture Research Institute of Turkey. Um, you can ask him to come by and become your and, and teach you a PDC. So, so Mustafa came by and we had a two weeks um, intensive permaculture design certification course. And several of us sat in through that um, to become certified permaculturalists. So that was basically how the journey started. And from there, uh, some of us went on to open up our own farms. Some of us, uh, well, went on to look for other jobs for a while and came back to permaculture later on. Uh, look at uh, and uh, but overall maintained that network and actually grew that network. And over the years, uh, actually started running um, our own permaculture design certification courses, um, training more uh, more Malaysians. And right now there is uh, a very, I would say dynamic network of uh, practitioners in Malaysia who are working towards building resilience uh, for the community, for our economy and uh, food security while restoring um, whatever that we can from our natural environment. So just quick question uh, for those who are not, who may not be familiar with the concept of uh, permaculture, how does this uh, approach differ to, to other, other, agricultural processes such as uh, conventional farming or even like organic farming? Good question, Ben. Thanks. Uh, okay, so one of the things I sometimes like to talk about is that permaculture is sometimes disguised as agriculture. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a revolution for creating a resilient planet, a resilient society that um, is always best applied or easiest applied through agriculture. So <laughs> In, in short, permaculture comes from the term permanent and agriculture or permanent culture. So permanent here, uh, like I mentioned, is uh, resilience in the form of natural patterns. And agriculture is basically the, the cultivation of land and culture is our human, human occupation on this planet. So permaculture is a multidisciplinary approach. It's a network of people. It's a philosophy. It's it's how my teacher puts it, it's an ethical design science aimed at establishing sustainable human settlements. If we take care of our land better, our, the land takes care of us better. And the best way to do that is to start looking at agriculture. Um, the way agriculture currently is being done is monocrop, industrialized. We're taking more from the land and not putting anything back in. Nature doesn't work that way. Nature has got cycles, cycles of nutrients, cycles of water. So we, in permaculture, we observe that and interact with those patterns um, in order to align how we do things such that we're not just taking away things from the land, but we're also regenerating it. Um, now, I know this sounds to a lot of people in the beginning, which I'm, okay, yeah, but how can you get enough if you don't use um, your... NPK fertilizers, how can you get enough from this and that? Uh, there's a whole history of how the Green Revolution all came about. And uh, but before that, there's also a whole history about how the human, human, human civilizations came about, how we actually in the past had um, better wisdom on how to collaborate with our um, natural environment. 
Now, I know this might sound to some like a very hippieistic point of view, but that's not what permaculture is either. We're taking the best of what we used to do in the past and combining it with the present. Um, I'm just going to fast forward just a little bit. Maybe we'll be talking about these things in future, but I'll give you an example. Um, uh, sorry, in, 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 in the later part of this podcast, but I'll give you an example. Um, does anybody go to water a forest? Does anybody go to fertilizer forest? But a forest is an ecosystem that provides for all the needs of all the inhabitants in the forest. Now, we always see ourselves as separate from nature, but what if we copy that pattern of the forest? Because the forest is not random. It is a designed structure in a way. It's a natural design and, and everything has its function that helps support other functions. So applying that to permaculture design, how do we observe this and curate our own forest for our own needs? Can we do that? And it's been done. It's, been, it's possible. So there are concepts of, such as food forests, where most of the trees um, later on, they are self-sufficient, they are regenerating, but they still meet the needs of the people around. Now the question is, oh, can this be enough for people? Uh, then enter different ways of doing agroforestries. And one of the ways that I feel is catching waves these days is syntropic agroforestry. Um, it's pioneered by Ernst Gonst from Brazil. Well, he's actually not from Brazil, but his practice is mainly in Brazil. Um, and you can, you can look it up, uh, how he combines, his methods combines um, food forest systems that can meet the needs of economic, um, that can meet the commercial and economic needs at the same time. So I, I suppose the more we explore the natural world and use our creativity to actively participate in local ecologies, in our ecology, um, the, the better solutions we can come up with. So permaculture is also a process. But at the same time, I mentioned in the beginning part, uh, it's an ethics system. The way my teacher described it, it's an ethical design science. So permaculture is based on ethics. Uh, and the, the main ethics in permaculture is earth care, people care, and fair share. So caring for the earth, understanding our ecology, understanding the natural systems, and understanding what the needs of the people are, and then a fair share of both to uh, of, of, for both the natural system and our needs. Because at the end of the day, actually it is for people um nature can survive without us uh if we're not around i think the earth will thrive maybe uh, whatever catastrophes we probably might bring about through um uh whatever destruction we're causing may set things back for god knows how long but nature always finds a way uh it's just us that we don't we are the ones who don't really have that much time and so yeah, so it's really about us. Uh, permaculture is really about how we human beings can live better on planet Earth. So you 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 talked about how um resilience and then how how permaculture is specifically designed to to help us humans, uh, you know, live better. Can can you talk more about uh, how this permaculture systems contributes to specifically human health, uh, you know, and and resilience in ecosystems. Okay, so go back to principles and ethics, right? So permaculture as an approach is based on principles and ethics, the way we do things. It's um, it's not about 
so much about how it's not method method methods but it's the thinking behind the thinking process behind so we go back to first principles so the first principle in permaculture is earth care so whatever we're doing we ask ourselves is this whatever how will this be impacting the planet and how will this be impacting people and how will this be impacting a fair share of resources so these principles are further broken down to design principles uh, that make it easy to to for for things to be processed, right, or, or, or things to be implemented. Um, so, uh, as a design process, um, well, you will find practitioners um, classifying a lot of the principle, uh, different uh, principles. But the more popular ones, uh, the more popular set of principles that are used are uh, by David Holmgren, also from Australia. Um, uh, the 12 design principles of permaculture, which begins with observe, observing and interacting. Understand first before we do anything. And then after that is uh, capturing and storing energy. One of the things that we do in permaculture is, um, what we talk about is, the way we do things is also an energy accounting system. How much effort are we putting in? How much resources are we putting in? How much time are we putting in for what results? And that brings to the third uh, design principle, which is obtaining a yield. So let's just take these three for example, observing and interacting, capturing and storing energy and obtaining a yield. Um, there are further, there, further down the line, there are 12 principles, there are more, we don't have time to go through all of them, but following these helps us design a process, a farm that can uh, meet the ethics of earth care, people care and fair share. So understanding where we are and what the needs of uh, the place um, that we're working in is is key before we can understand what resources pass through and which ones we can capture, which ones we can store. So, uh, like in Malaysia, we have a lot of rain. Um, so it's it's not just about uh, rainwater harvesting, but how do we arrange our uh, structures and planting systems uh, such that it captures the water and uh, it lets water flow through the land in the most efficient way. Right. Um, I think uh, in 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 a lot of farms in Australia, if I'm not mistaken, they 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 use this swale systems where you have water flowing through a, a slope and it's slowed down by a swale and a berm that lets water slow down and seep into the land instead of just uh, flowing through and causing erosion. So these are the small, small tweaks and changes we can make to the landscape or to our um, whatever systems we're working on to, to make it more efficient naturally. Can these same principles be applied in terms of governance? It's exactly the same thing. So the principles, they sound generic, they sound general, but when applied to a specific um, purpose, um, they kind of work in a way that mimics the patterns in nature. So observing and interacting before uh, implementing new policies in an uh, organization structure, for example. Capturing and storing energy can also be uh, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the people we're working with and putting them into the right place. And obtaining a yield, obviously, is if we're, if we're arranging things correctly, we're going to get the results. So... Uh, Again, back to nature, nature is pattern and arrangement of elements. And it's not so much about how many elements you have or how much you have. It's about the meaningful connections between these elements. So, 
Yeah, I, I like the 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 concept of uh, earth care, people care, and fair share. Um, you know, and then how permaculture relates to design thinking and how you can use that at government level in terms of the processes and how you design systems and policies. Um, but to to narrow it down, in your opinion, um, why is it important for businesses, or how can we use this permaculture uh, design thinking, uh, you know, to incorporate permaculture into their daily operations? And and we're talking about specifically SMEs, uh, slightly smaller, where they don't have that you know uh, ability or leeway like like governments and and, and big businesses have. Uh, to slowly trickle down uh, design policies. You know, this, these are businesses that live on a day-to-day basis where, you know, profits are, are, you know, are very small. Now, how, can, how can they utilize uh, permaculture designs or, or systems and thinking to kind of, you know, be sustainable in their practices? Good question. So I would say, go, going back to principles again, because there are principles in permaculture that talk about small and slow solutions, that talk about valuing the marginal, that talk about accept uh, self-regulation and accepting feedback. So all these are um, means and methods that or principles that I feel would help any organization become better over time. Uh, and when you talk about specifically SMEs, they're not making that much money. Sometimes um, maybe also it's 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 or, or, or the margins are probably lower they live day to day um things are a lot tougher one of the principles in permaculture that come to mind is valuing diversity because sometimes maybe if we're too um constricted in what we view as yields or we view as outcome um we set sometimes overlook other things that might benefit us uh in, in 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 specific context of SMEs, so the, the things that come to mind might, might be different than yours are all these uh, rural and cottage industries in Malaysia uh, where you have uh, people who are uh, usahawan, usahawan and coming up with uh, their own products and selling it online or um, sourcing it from different places. Um, and just, just, just some, a lot of them start off uh, making up just to get by, but sometimes they boom, they go big, right? So if you apply that to some, let's say looking at how how nature works um, there's always this element of collaboration or supporting one another there's no tree that stands alone there's no species that stands alone so one of the things I can probably um, guess would be helpful most to SMEs is looking at how collaborating in uh how how look at creative ways to collaborate with the between the diverse fields that are out there um to to create more yield and and not just con- not not just looking at yield as profits alone but probably also uh human resource development probably also uh, uh, making processes more efficient probably at the same time also um looking at the better we care of can take care of this ecosystem, the better this ecosystem takes care of us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think... can't think of a specific example of, of 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 businesses at this point in time, but I think it it is it is to say like okay, things are fine the way they are. We don't really need to take care of the environment. It's just too big of a concept. I I get it. I get it. So, so maybe think of us as the environment, us as the ecosystem first, right? Look at the connections that we have first. Focus on what we have first. 
And then later on, we'll start to realize that actually we're part of a bigger whole. Yeah, like there's a lot of things in terms of how to, to start permaculture, how to create that mindset. Uh, would you have any resources or or certifications or networks that you re recommend to people who, who are interested in learning about permaculture and its potential applications in their businesses or their daily lives? Great. Um, I have a few off the top of my head. Um, if if you're looking internationally, Zaituna Farms or Jeff Lawton Permaculture is always like one of the go-to ones because um, they, they, I think they, they're at the forefront on a lot of um, large-scale regeneration projects. Uh, there's a number of YouTube videos out there in Malaysia uh, that, that, that talk about um, how to start permaculture farms and so on and so forth. In Malaysia, uh, we're talking about more Malaysia local context here. Um, there are a number of people who I I'm, I'm very inspired by. Um, let's start from up north. There's three lovely farm uh, run by Captain Zakaria, who's got nine acres of the. At that at one point in time, it was one of the only the, 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 the only certified organic rice farm in Malaysia. He produces um, his rice farms um, on average normal industrial commercials um, rice farming produces probably about um, two to four tons per hectare but his systems can produce up to 14 and a half tons using less water and only natural resources not no chemicals at all um, and then you move down you have organizations like seeds Malaysia uh, who, who who have been over the past couple of years uh, running these um, basic courses on on sustainable farming, but they're also promoting and championing food forest systems in Malaysia. Uh, you have um, in 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 the cities you have the likes of Urban Hijau. Uh, you have in uh, you have larger farms or larger initiatives like uh, Kebun Kota in Pahang, um, who've gone on to so they have their own farm and now they've got a restaurant that's 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 fed by the farm. Uh, seed build, like I mentioned in in Ipoh. Uh, they look into bamboo, using bamboo as a way of um, regenerating ecosystems. If you're looking at doing something for your homes and 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 uh, uh, you know just just planting food at home, then there are a lot of setups out there like eat shoots and roots, um, uh, ground control, um, who, who who run programs such as that. Um, did I mention Urban Hijau in, in Tamantun? So Urban Hijau is one of those that I know of who actively also engage with corporates um, and, and SMEs uh, and, and, and try and look at solutions um, for, for, you know, how, how, how businesses can start looking into using these practices. I think the, 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 the convergence between business and permaculture in Malaysia is very, very, very new. A lot of people are still uh, perhaps... Um, what's the word for uh, we're still like even my farm we're still at the stage of okay I'm, I'm establishing my space for my own consumption and my own community first right so it's still small scale uh, we have we we have been talking about how these things can merge up um, but we are I think it's still in the early stages of that discussion and it's pretty exciting to see how 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 that that happens I think just observing la, um, a lot of the permaculture that I know of, um, you know, 
root themselves first. You know, they 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 grow their systems, so they grow their food forests first, they grow their farms first, um, uh, or, or or they work on that mostly. Uh, and but I think the time is not kind of right for that intersection between the the natural farmers who are pushing for this because the concepts, the ideas, and the uh, ethics that they bring forward can bring a lot of benefit to the social business sector, to the small, uh, to the SME sector, and so on and so forth. Um, I feel like com those conversations need to start happening more and more, uh, and I really look forward to that happening. Like, there are people who. You know, who are already starting to there, there, there are a lot of businesses who are start, already starting to sell from their farms, kind of direct, uh, like kebun kebun sa, uh, off the top of my off the top of my head. There's a bunch of other farms that I can think of right now, but, um, but to your question, these are just some names that you can probably start looking up, um, uh, but I feel like if you wanna if you wanna go serious into it, um. Then yes, I I recommend taking a, a permaculture design certification course. Uh, these are uh, I am not aware of any being um being done in Malaysia re now, but there have been and and there will be more coming up soon. Uh, just that just that I'm not so sure whether in the next couple of months there's any anything lined up. Because I think we, we we a lot of people have gone back to like okay okay maybe a PDC a permaculture design certification is is a is too big for a lot of people let's start small let's start with smaller chunks of of courses or trainings that can look at okay how do you apply this principle into this process in business how do you you know breaking it down to smaller chunks first. So I I like that the fact that there there are uh, certification resources out there to help businesses, um, but. In terms of getting to it, are, are you planning to run any courses yourself to to kind of uh, teach people, or, or what are your 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 next aims with uh, Kabun Rahman? Um. So, yes, I am. Um. Most of it would be to for I I I'm focusing a lot more on helping people create their own sustainable farms. Um. As a start. Uh, but that can also. But I'm also looking forward to working together with other permaculturalists, other practitioners, other people in the sustainability field to create um other courses or training programs that can be useful to more people. Um. Uh. And and Kebun Rahmat is is a space that I, uh, am developing to be able to sort of become a a, a platform for these things to happen. And at the same time, it's 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 still a, a sustainable farm that I'm growing food for my family's own food security and my community's own food security first. So it's both for um, food security and education. So yeah, I uh, uh, at the same time, I'm not the only one who's who's going up, um, coming up with different courses. Uh, I, I the two other other names that come up are Urban Hijau and Seeds Malaysia, who are also organizations I know of. Well, also focused on 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 training programs, um, geared to this. Yeah. Okay. I think maybe now we can talk about like permaculture in 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 a larger scale system in terms of how permaculture and sustainability goes hand in hand. Uh, you know, what do you think of if permaculture were to be adopted? You know, globally, uh, how how would this principles contribute to sustainability movement uh, to help addressing you know environmental issues like what would 
permaculture's biggest uh, contribution to to the the whole uh, industry of sustainability. I think, to be honest with you personally, I think the biggest contribution is a very quiet and hidden one. Permaculture is like an impetus. So it's the, the whole movement started actually a long time ago, uh, 60s, 70s, when people started realizing about environmental degradation and, 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 and destruction that's happening. And a lot of people were uh, protesting, going off, um, trying, to, trying to change things. But a bunch of others realized that, hey, if we protest, protest and, and uh, make a lot of noise and, and, and ask for this policy change, that policy change, actually, at the end of the day, we're still living in the same system. We've got to think about a different way of living. And that's probably how permaculture really started off. Bill Mollison and his student, Dave Holmgren, um, looked at what reimagined how human society can uh can live better with the earth. And that's why permaculture is ethics-based and principles-based, right? And from there, a lot of environmentalists, uh, so it started off small and quiet, uh, sorry, it started off quiet, but it grew very fast. Um, so it became the, the, the contributing factor to a lot of the thought processes in regenerative um, and sustainable developments uh, throughout the world. It's only, I think, not to maybe in the past decade or so that people are looking at, okay, we probably need to uh, up the ante on having more people trained on permaculture as a discipline. Now, when you, if you ask about what people have done with it, um, one of the projects that I, I like to highlight is the Lowest Plateau in China. And this is a huge area, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to be misquoted. I, I I always forget how large this area is because it's it's either the size of France or or or, or Paris or, or it's a it's a huge piece of land, thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres, and it's been degraded over uh, hundreds of years because of traditional agricultural methods. So this place, this plateau that used to be a watershed, is now degraded, and therefore nobody can plant anything. Nothing grows, and the 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 communities you know fallen into poverty and 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 fallen and, and gone away. But this project I think is probably somewhere in the nineties where um, ecosystem restoration started coming. What uh, was was the focus on? So people people started la laughed at it because why are you planting trees that we cannot eat first? But there's a purpose to 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 that because first they restored the watershed. And then now, Lowest Plateau is um, a really productive agricultural site and people are returning back to the land and, 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 and having sustainable livelihood from the land, again, from this large-scale restorative project. So I think one of the things that permaculture really aspires to is to do this, to look at how much damage we've actually created over, over time and using our ingenuity and creativity by uh, and understanding of ecology to reverse that process and not just for the sake of the natural environment but for the sake of the community as well and you have lots of projects like this Los Plateau is an example um, there's uh, see I, I, I'm bad with names but if you look at Andrew Millicent on, on, on YouTube he talks about one of the biggest permaculture projects in India where they also restored water for this uh, network of villages um, and, and, and he ducked out it as one of the biggest projects in the world. 
you have the Greening the Desert Project by Jeff Lawton, where using permaculture principles uh, and within a short period of time, um, he could create sustainable, organic, productive uh, agriculture systems in the Jordan Valley itself, which is the, you know, the lowest point on earth. Um, and, and so these are just some examples of how working with nature can create abundance. So in the long run, in the large scale, that's what, what, what permaculturists want to do. Um, we want to, we, we want to uh, create, or we want to help create these regenerative systems that not just help nature heal itself, but provide for a prosperous and abundant society. So, um, yep, that's that's uh, how I see things in, in large scale. So you, this can go, like like I said, it's not just agriculture, it's not just farming. Um, it's, it's also in um, how we arrange and organize ourselves, how we govern ourselves. It's also in how we, uh, if it, it's permaculture is not a spiritual principle at all, but a lot of people find that it makes sense in, 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 in that it, it aligns with um, a lot of what's natural to people, to humans, um, even from ancient cultures, uh, treating the earth with more respect. Oh, in, in, your, in your opinion, as a, as a permaculturalist, uh, or is that the right word to call? Uh, what do you think that, what sort of policies do you think that will kind of spur you and, and provide you more resources or, or or more, you know, what do you say, more awareness in, in terms of, of widespread usage of, of permaculture? Do you need more education in, in, in schools? Do you need uh, awareness with uh, more businesses? What would, what would you think that be the most important or the one policy that you think that would help you uh, promote permaculture more? I would, I, I, I naturally incline towards education, uh, though a lot of people who might want to say this is actually uh, uh, the realm of, of, of industry that will probably be, be more helpful. Um, I'm inclined to say education because in the long run, in, uh, instilling these values and ethics uh, in young people earlier on can help grow um, you know members of society with such mindsets to change at the same time i feel like uh, it's not just education for in schools uh, alone i think education across the board as well uh, i think i think it's it's in training and it's in it's in um, like right now a lot of uh, the corporate world is retraining into uh, retrain uh, or or focusing on a lot of uh, what's the word ESG trainings, you know that's the that's the thing for now. So I think perhaps aligning these two or 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 or, or exploring a bit deeper into the connection between ESG and what permaculture offers is, and if this really pushes forward, if everybody really 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 looks into, um, re really applies this. Uh, I cannot say it's a silver bullet, but then maybe a bronze bullet. <laughs> so they, they, we can make that as an analogy. Um, and the reason I, because I'm naturally a bit of a skeptic when it comes to these things. So that's why I can say on the safe, safe point, education is the key. No, I, I agree with policy, you. If, if you see policy wise, 
the way I see things now, I think ES the this 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 buzz on ESG is probably something worth writing on um to 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 encourage uh more not just thinking about but also application of permaculture design because on on the one hand I'm 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 a skeptic when it comes to a lot of these things because over the over time we we've heard about sustainable development goals we've heard about ESG but over the years these these policies change you know but if you observe nature the principles of nature are the same they don't change uh over time I think but then if you look at it a bit deeper all these policies that change the sustainable development goals like ESG like before that they used to call it different names are just changed in terms of the names or, or you know just the facade of it so I think what permaculture can do is penetrate to the heart of the business or, or the heart of, of things instilling ethics and values first and foremost and that's why permaculture is ethics based you have to be rooted in 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 understanding earth care people care and fair share you have to be rooted in these uh ethics of taking responsibility of our existence as a species um so so from there it will spread out into different ways of thinking but it will in the end meet back am i or, or are these practices are these principles are these policies going to make um, the world a better place, my business sustainable, my people happy, is it going to be... So so, so. I think the biggest contribution to permaculture in, in, in the permaculture can make is uh, probably a realization that at the end of the day, uh, we as individuals and uh, families, society, even as a species, are responsible for our own well-being. And if we don't take care of that, and it's it's well if you don't take care of that then then who else will right i think what you say is right uh, and you see the the changes in terms of what sustainability is you know with first sdg came out and then people talked about csr as as the uh, mm. the big thing in terms of corporate uh, what you call it, corporate responsibility. And then now they move on to ESG. And then, you know, in the horizon, you see what biodiversity is coming up. Um, you know, and, and what you said, like like you talk about earth care, people care, uh, fair share, and, and permaculture, permanence. You know, the, the, the concepts and, uh, and the principles of, of permanence, of sustainability. What... What looking to the future, what do you envision the the potential of permaculture to shape a more sustainable world, and uh, what steps need to be taken to achieve this vision? You know, let let's go uh, broad scale and and out there. What what do you think? Um, if I look at the okay, so so this is where I like the uh, artists uh, come into play, right? Uh, I like um because they 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 sometimes envision things for us. Um, uh, one of uh, these people that I like to listen to mentioned once before that you know, it's hard for us to 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 work towards a more sustainable world if we cannot see how that looks like, you know, if we cannot vision it, if we, we, you know, we know deep down inside that there is a more beautiful world that's possible, but if we don't believe in it, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't know how that's going to look like, if we don't have a vision. What are we working towards, right? Um, 
So this is where artists, I, I like um, this art movement called solar punk that's coming out on the horizon. Um, you've heard of steampunk, you've heard of uh, uh, what what cyberpunk and stuff like that. They always depict this dystopian future or a dystopian kind of past, right? But uh, uh, solar punk is this new artwork that I recently discovered that, that it's mostly in the form of artworks um, showing how... Um, society, buildings, uh, transportation, lifestyle is uh, where everything is sort of like integrated with nature. Uh, look it up. I think it's something you might like, Ben. Um, like at least the visuals of it, right? So if, if you ask me like how would the future potentially look like, um, you would have agri-hoods, right? Agricultural neighborhoods. So instead of gated and guarded neighborhoods, you would have uh, agricultural neighborhoods where yes everybody probably goes off through their work but they've all, all got their own small plot of land um, where there is a low maintenance but high yield food forest attached to it and maybe there are some members in that in that community that's tasked to do some simple maintenance there are some members within that community that are tasked to do um, waste management systems so so imagine at our at, at this at, uh, uh, at even our living uh, level that we live at um, each neighborhood is like a self-sustaining ecosystem um, of course you'll go out and do work and of course there'll still be international trade and and so on so because you know sometimes we want our luxury goods coming from uh, from other parts of the world but by and large we don't really need it so one of the things that Jeff Lawton permaculture um, likes to say is that all of the world's problems can be solved in the food forest garden or in the, in, 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 in the garden so if we can grow everything that we need, there is then no real need for us to go out and grab from others. So I'm imagining, you know, locally sustainable neighborhoods where actually if anything happens, we can just stay within. We have all our food, we have all our energy, we have all our water and all our waste is sort of maintained sustainably where we are. But we go out because, you know, there's a, it's a big world out there and there's a lot to explore and, and um uh, but then we, when we come home, we're we're okay, we're happy. We don't have to worry so much about cari makan, right? Because makan is already grown at home. So you go out there to help others grow, to help to, to grow yourself. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that I, I, I sort of envision. You know, if you can take care of your own needs, then there's no need for you to catch out others so much. And so, so therefore, when you go out and meet other people, it's actually for, for better growth for one another. So you know, with with the now the the thing that that's you know in the news all the time is we talk about AI, um, and mm. and you know how AI is there to kind of simplify our lives, and and you know just talking about your your how you envision the the world with permaculture as as its main principle, don't you think uh you know the butter and trade system why why we moved on to the fiat currencies because to to make trade mm. more efficient. Don't you think AI would make bartering a lot more efficient and then we can focus on... on oh, yeah. You know, like... like uh, you yeah. know, this, I, was, I was just thinking about it while while you were, were speaking. <clears throat> you know, you could just focus on, yeah. on you know, growing a, a, a bunch of things, permaculture design. You know, you don't have to be monocropped. You don't have to be specialized. You could do whatever you like. And and with barter and trade system being more efficient with, you know, like, uh, like AI doing most of the hard work, you know, you could kind of like fix people who, who want things at, at what time uh, you know don't you think AI yeah I think would... that I think that would 
that sounds like uh, something that might really that, that might work. I, I I like that idea, Ben. Like uh, like you have <laughs> you have how, probably I that's one one of the things I've been uh, that's been on my mind. Like how does AI? How would AI integrate into all this? And I think you just uh, came up with a brilliant solution, right? Because <laughs> one of the things that okay, back to the question we talked about earlier on, like how does this all integrating SME systems work together? And you have if you have multiple small scale farms, an AI system could be something that could help uh, either the SME or the farms look at where the buyers can be from or the sellers can be from, right? So, so but then again, back to education, if, you, if we encourage more people to have this, so then you have neighborhoods that are growing certain producers uh, that are then exported to certain SMEs uh, within uh, a certain locality, right? So you have sustainable, not just sustainable neighborhoods, sustainable towns and sustainable cities that are producing um, food or producing resources that are traded among each other, which is actually how the natural system works. You know, in, in nature, everything is actually trading between one another. If you look at how the forest system is, uh, the roots underneath the, the, the forest floor are actually networked by uh, mycelium by mushrooms that trade nutrients and information between one another and these trees actually they, they, they're supporting each other so one end of the forest might be attacked by a bunch of uh, pests and so the trees on that end send out signals through the mushrooms to other trees this pest is attacking us so therefore up your pheromone or your hormones or this that will halang that will that will block them so those pests cannot spread throughout the forest so likewise, if this like, like if the AI is like the mushroom network and says, okay, this business needs this produce, which is produced by this farm, or this person needs what, and you can have that sustainable network going on. I think that would be brilliant, man. Now, now you have something to think about how you can create a, an AI with a permaculture uh, principle in it, and then and then you know kind of push forward your 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 envisioned uh, future. You know, in, yeah. in terms of, of, like you say, like how permaculture requires a lot of collaboration. Uh, let, let's move back to a bit more grounded talk. Uh, you know, what sort of, of collaboration do you think is, is needed between different stakeholders? You know, like uh, how, how, how much of, a, of a collaboration is needed between businesses, governments, NGOs, a community to, to kind of sustain and advance this permaculture movement? Like how, how, how much is the requirement or or how 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 do you move this along? Good one. Um, I think this is a similar question to a lot when people ask me, like, all right, how much land do I need to start a permaculture farm? And the simple answer to that is what you can manage, and what you can handle. I think if we impose on others, like you need to do this much of collaboration, or you need to do this the uh, different rules, is it'll be very difficult um, in the long run. It's very difficult in the short run. Adjusting is not something that a lot of us do uh, very quickly, although right now the value is like, oh, you need to adapt quickly and so on and so forth. But uh, I think that's not always the most sustainable thing in the long run. So I think what you can manage first, um, and that's one of the principles in permaculture, starting using small and slow solutions, uh, self-regulation and feedback. Start with what we have within our network. Um, what are the better ways we can do things first with internally um, before we reach out 
to 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 create some new process with someone new, right? So I think um, yeah, it's it's I, I, then from there, then you'll reach a point where you see what's the optimum. Too much might be a bit overload, uh, but if you start small, then there's a chance that there's a. It's, I think it's a more surer way to reach that optimum point of where collaboration, the sweet spot in collaboration, right? Because there's all this constant um, feedback going on. Okay, this is a bit too much from your side, a bit too much from my side. Or where does it, you know, it's like it's like how even even like how we started this podcast. Let's just go with it. Let's just let's just start first, okay? And and see see where we see see where where the sweet spot can be. Yeah. Okay. So you know, from from what I'm listening to, you get a lot of you know what you talk about permaculture is that there's a lot of feedback that needs to be given and then you know that there's it's not a fixed design thing where you know that it's a silver bullet for anything you know it's it's a an ethics what you said ethics based uh, principle where you look and then you know you see and how you adjust i think you know from from what i'm hearing is that we need both government to kind of be open to to the processes and then you get businesses who, who want to adopt and change and look at long run and then build communities, uh, you know, better the environment. You know, what, what's your luck if you if you had a, a, a parting quote or a parting idea for, for people, what would it be? If I had a parting idea for people, what would it be? Um I hope it's not I, I hope it's not the point where things fall apart. <laughs> like there's no I I I hope there's the if that way yeah sorry that that joke didn't come out well it's just like uh, if you wanted to say goodbye no no let's not say goodbye let's let's keep this collaboration going I think I think keep at it I think that's it that's one of the things that 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 uh, non this is not just about permaculture and so on and so forth but but because not just permaculture but I think keep at it keep at the that one good thing that you you can see happening just keep keep working on it I think this is where if I take anything from my 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 experiences with permaculture, is resilience. Nature is resilient, and therefore, if we want to see change, we have to be resilient. There will be times when we are defeated, when we feel defeated, when we are uh, down on our, or, or when we feel that we're, you know, not creating anything, not producing anything, which is zero, or not making any change. But I think keep at it, keep at it, because like nature, it take nature will take its time. So I think one of the things is looking at. When we do things, the results sometimes also take time. But it's important that we keep at it. Uh, it's important that we don't give up. Um, because giving up and finding the easy way out of things is perhaps how we've fallen into a lot of the mess that we are in today. Like uh, senang kita pakai racun je Instead of thinking about, okay, what's a better way to do this? So just keep at it. Yeah, but if you look at a lot of business concepts, and I, I think one of, one of it is when you talk about startups or entrepreneurship, where they say, uh, start fast, fail fast. You know, you just start and then, you, you know, the faster you fail, the better, because then you know your business is not, not working. But back to that, start fast, fail fast, so you can learn. This to me, it sounds a lot like self-regulation and accepting feedback because you're learning from it and growing from it. So again, keep at it. Like you're not, you're not stop, start fast, fail fast, and stop completely. Start fast, fail fast, so you can start again better. Which is similar to what nature does. Thank you for coming on as a guest. Uh, like once again, Ashari Ramat. Uh, Thank you for inviting Kebun me. Ramat. Again. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs>